Ciao amici! Welcome to Cinema Italiano, the podcast dedicated to the Italian experience as told by film. Today, we'll be talking about Mario Bava's 1964 film, Blood in Black Lace, or Sei Done per l'Assassino. But first, as a couple news items, it's been announced that Italy's submission for the Best International Feature Film Award at the next Oscars will be Mario Martone's Nostalgia, starring Pier Francesco Favino. Nostalgia premiered at the Cannes Film Festival this year and won four awards at the Nastro d'Argento Awards in Italy, including Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Screenplay. We don't have word yet on when it'll be available in the U.S., but hoping it'll hit around the holidays when award season is really ramping up. On home video, Futura, the non-fiction film about youth during the COVID-19 pandemic, jointly directed by Pietro Marcello, Francesco Munzi, and Alice Rohrwacher, has just been released on DVD. My copy is still on the way, but I'm really excited to see this very timely work by some of my favorite Italian directors today. And Dario Argento's latest film, Dark Glasses, is continuing its festival rounds in the U.S., coming to New York and Los Angeles in October, before premiering on the Shutter streaming service on October 13th. This is Dario Argento's first film in 10 years, and is said to be a return to giallo form as a real crime thriller. back to our main subject, itself a giallo film from the 1960s, Mario Bava's Blood in Black Lace. The first time I watched this movie, I remember being absolutely floored by the film's style, especially the tone set by the mid-century Latin jazz musical score. The opening credits in particular totally drew me in with a complex color palette and sophisticated design. Blood in Black Lace is set in Rome in contemporary times during the 1960s at the Christian Hot Couture Fashion House. It's run by the widow Countess Christiana, whose house employs designers, dressers, and models. One night, Isabella, one of the models, is killed outside the villa by a figure in a white, faceless mask. In her absence, as the fashion show must go on, another model, Nicole, volunteers to wear a look that was intended for Isabella, and while looking for a brooch, she stumbles upon a diary that Isabella had kept. Everyone, whether on or off the runway, has a vested interest in the contents of that diary, and wherever it goes, more murders follow. All of the victims are supermodels, beautiful women, indicating to the police that the killer is some sex maniac. But when all the men are detained overnight, another victim is killed and the suspects released. It's eventually revealed that the killers are in fact the Countess Christiana, who runs the fashion house, and her lover Massimo Morlacchi, who co-manages it with her. Isabella, the first victim, had found out that Morlacchi helped the Countess kill her husband and made it look like an accident. Subsequently, Isabella blackmailed them both, demanding more and more money, so they got rid of her completely. 
the killer couple ultimately becomes the death of each other. The Countess commits what's meant to be the final murder, framing Tao Li, a model, as the killer, but she's double-crossed by Morlaki, who sets up the Countess to fall to her death. She survives just long enough to fatally shoot him, and then collapses on his body as the final victim of the bloodbath. Blood in Black Lace is an early entry in the Italian film movement called Giallo. Giallo literally means yellow, and it refers to the cover of yellow paperback novels, detective stories by the likes of Agatha Christie. Giallo films have more edge within film than their literary counterparts do, however, as mystery, crime-based stories, tonally, these movies have the elements of a thriller, with extreme acts of violence and sensuality beyond what's in the books that they're inspired by. What's also different about Giallo versus a typical horror film is that Giallo movies stay within the realm of the rational. The narrative can theoretically happen, even if there's leaps of faith or plot mechanics that don't 100% make logical sense. Fantastical elements, or the supernatural, would fall in the irrational realm as something narratively distinct from Giallo. That said, many scenes, particularly the violent scenes of Giallo films, including Blood and Black Lace, are often hyper-real. They are rational and possible, but are stylized in an extreme, visually compelling way beyond that of a typical drawing-room detective mystery. The expository setup of supermodel victims within a fashion house run by a countess heightens the Jalo murder fest both through the capitalistic setting of the story as well as through the political and cultural decay of the nobility in Italy by the 1960s. The supermodels here are bodies in more ways than one. They wear designer clothes as means to the end of selling to a customer. They walk the runway in fashion shows to be photographed and consumed for distribution by the media. And as victims, they are mere bodies to add to the count, for whom the killers bear little remorse or concern for the lives lost. The Countess Christiana, before we find out she's one of the killers, openly shows her contempt for the models. She snaps at Nicole for letting a dress get wrinkled, saying, you're all the same, and what she sees is their disregard for the finery that they wear. To her, they're interchangeable, sheep, and unworthy of respect. Later on, after the death of Isabella, the Countess snaps at another girl. Don't cry or you'll spoil your makeup. Essentially, don't mourn the murder of your colleague, it'll ruin the fashion show. Outside the fashion house, too, even the police, perhaps inadvertently, reduce the victims to their physical beauty. As they're all beautiful supermodels, the natural hypothesis is that the killer is some sex maniac. It's the most plausible link tying these women together. The quality of their looks, nothing from their interior selves or relationships. The presumption that it's some sexual dysfunction at the core of the crimes committed can be taken as a sort of play on the Jalo genre itself. Many films in this spirit, including Blood and Black Lace, feature women in varying states of undress creating an erotic element in parallel with the violent, but the fact that sexuality is not even a factor behind the murders almost makes a joke of our assumptions and on the conventions of the genre, because here it's a non-issue and is in fact a misdirect. 
Desire isn't even the motive for the killers. It's revealed that Morlocki's drive is to ultimately kill the Countess for her money, and the Countess's, in return, is to kill Isabella for blackmailing her. The killer couple themselves aren't even driven by lust, just by money. The victims as bodies, with their commonality that they're all supermodels and interchangeable in the eyes of some, has an intriguing thread to the image of the killer, who's a figure in an overcoat wearing a white, featureless mask as a blank canvas of anonymity. Its empty face bears a resemblance to the mannequins swarming around the fashion house. Not only is the killer anonymous, in the sense that we don't know who it is, but with its visual similarity to the mannequins, the killer is, in a way, like the models he terrorizes. It's a mask that anyone can wear, whether it's Morlocki, or the Countess, or Tao Li, who they try to frame. It's a garment that can be worn by and associated with anyone. Just as our assumptions are thrown off that the killer is not driven by sex, but we presume that the killer is a man, also disproven, when we learn the Countess leaves her own trail of victims. And going back to the Countess, the disregard she feels for the models in her employ could also stem from her title as being a Countess. As both manager of the fashion house and a remnant of Italian nobility, her status of privilege gives her an edge that no one else could attain. Ranks of nobility were no longer recognized by the 1960s, following the transition from the Kingdom of Italy to the Democratic Republic of Italy after World War II, so, the, so Christianus could be clinging to what once was a distinction of power that today is a name only. Another fading member of the nobility is the Marchese, or Marquis, Ricardo Morelli, who's all but broke and desperately clinging to his palazzo, despite owing thousands in IOUs that he can't make good on. His situation is also documented in Isabella's diary raising a flag that he's another suspect of her murder, given what she knows and what that could do to his reputation. In terms of the movie's formal elements, it's hard to walk away from Blood and Black Lace without taking away the stunning cinematography. The photography was done by Ubaldo Terzano, whose other credits include camera work for Black Sunday, also by Mario Bava, and Deep Red by Dario Argento. A hyper-real, recurring color palette is blackness, lit in patches by red, blue, and purple lighting. This occurs in the opening main title sequence, as well as several of the murder scenes. A model traipsing through a darkened antique store, lit only by the exterior streetlights and the glow of an object here and there. It has the visual impact of a blacklight carnival ride on a canvas of darkness with hyper-real colors popping out as an extreme visual heightening the brutal action on screen. There's also an interesting moment of mise-en-scene and staging when the revelation that Isabella kept a diary comes to light. The complexities of how everyone has a secret and has a motive is displayed visually as the house preps for a fashion show. Individual dressing rooms are set up with models, dressers, and the countess bouncing in between, and the camera pops into each, one at a time, showing each compartmentalized scenario, literally walled in, each with something to hide. Another impactful element is through the film's sound design and musical score. The musical score, by Carlo Rusticelli, whose credits also include Divorce Italian Style and Seduced and Abandoned, 
immediately places us in a mid-century context of intrigue with a Latin-inspired main titles theme. The musical score carries throughout the film, capturing the emotion and suspense all the way through, and only rarely cuts out, notably during the scenes of the killer pursuing the victims. If the musical score sets a sense of style and macabre fun, then the absence of music takes away that level of cinematic artifice, and the sounds heard are just the footsteps of high heels, objects crashing, and screams as the killer closes in. In these moments, the gravity of the violence is zeroed in on, not masked by the stylish sound accompanying the rest of the film. Much of Blood in Black Lace was filmed on location in its setting of Rome. The Christian Hot Couture Fashion House uses the Villa Sciara as its exterior and the Palazzo Brancaccio as its interior. The exterior location, the Villa Sciara, is located east of the Tevere or Tiber River and serves as the fashion house as well as where the Countess lives. An interesting feature of the property that's also highlighted in the film is the fountain in front of the villa, adorned by centaurs, both male and female, with skulls at their front paws. The fountain is there at the villa in real life, but its inclusion in the film could be an early foreshadowing of the monsters we see in the movie, a male and female who bring about death. The location of the fashion house is in Trastevere, which, within the geography of Rome, is a neighborhood on the southwest side of town, on the west side of the Tiber River. Its name Trastevere literally is made up of Tras, across, Tevere, or Tiber River. It's a neighborhood full of villas and feels distinctly separate from the main city of Rome on the other side of the river. It's on the other side of the Tevere where the other characters live, including the Via del Velabro and the Via di Parlone, both more in the real city of Rome in a noticeably urban setting. Down the Via Appia Antica is where the Marchese and Greta live, in a villa far southeast of the city. Like the Countess, the Marchese is a noble in title only, and he hangs on to his distinguished property far away from the common citizen. The Via Appia Antica is part of the Appian Way, a road lasting back from the Roman Empire days. Like the Marchese clinging to his nobility, it's a location with ties to a world long since gone. Blood in Black Lace was the eighth feature film directed by Mario Bava, after decades of working in special effects and camera work. It helped cement his status as a great master of horror, following Black Sunday, Black Sabbath, and the early Giallo film, The Girl Who Knew Too Much. I highly recommend Blood in Black Lace, as a consistently entertaining and often fun mid-century crime thriller. Its style and music are so compelling, and it's a great atmospheric world to jump into, even with rewatches. The world of Giallo films offer a lot to explore. Blood in Black Lace is a great example of the genre, and another that I would recommend is Deep Red or Profondo Rosso, one of my favorites by Dario Argento, who's another titan of Giallo and Italian horror. Quite a few Giallo and other Italian horror films are available to stream on Shudder. I'm actually putting together a list to post shortly with what's available on Shudder and other streaming platforms as some spooky cinema italiano to enjoy for the Halloween season.
As always, thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your choice of podcast platform. You can also follow the show on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time, ciao michi.